This podcast with Eric Godsey is part two of the ayahuasca recap, picking up at our rest day in between, heading into the most intense journey of the entire week, night three, where the shamans picked up their intensity, the medicine picked up their intensity, I was full double platinum in the bathroom, and all kinds of things were coming through, so tons of insights, tons of vulnerable truth as ayahuasca reveals here in this podcast. This show is brought to you by Blue Blocks blueblocks.com slash amp by native nativedo.com slash marcus by onit onit.com slash aubrey and by the fit for service academy app in part one i talk about the three pillars of navigating any psychedelic experience love truth and faith you really have to have a deep understanding of these things for when you get into heavy water and also to navigate the stills, the quiets, and those other moments to be able to get the most out of your journey. And ayahuasca and nights one and two, which I talked about in the last podcast, really helped illuminate those different skills that I would need, and I absolutely did need them. Night three was massive, incredibly intense, incredibly powerful, and I'm just incredibly grateful that I had that experience and also the tools to be able to navigate that experience. So I can't wait to share that journey, the insights from that journey, and ultimately the resolution and the recap of the entire week at Soltara. So thanks for tuning in to this podcast with Eric Godsey. And before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Blue Blocks. And you've probably heard me talk about Blue Blocks. They are the absolute most stylish blue blocking glasses. Now, why do you need blue blocking glasses? Because it's blue light that actually shuts down our melatonin production and melatonin is the hormone that signals, hey body, let's get some rest. Let's have some sleep. And sleep is one of those universal levers that affects all things. Every single thing, what do you want? Focus, energy, performance, libido, what do you want? Oh well, sleep's gonna affect that. So adding this one simple thing, putting on these stylish glasses towards the evening, towards the end of the night, to reduce the amount of blue light that comes in, that's going to be something that can help your sleep quality, which is going to help your overall life quality. So definitely check it out. It's free shipping globally, five days to the USA, Australian made. These are great. Go to blueblocks.com slash amp, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash A-M-P, and use the discount code AMP at checkout for 15% off. Blueblocks.com forward slash AMP for 15% off. Next up, we have Native Deodorant. And Native is an aluminum-free deodorant. And if you read my book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, you'll know that what goes on your body goes in your body. So it's really important to have a deodorant that's free of all the crap, like aluminum, that you don't want absorbing into your bloodstream. So all of the ingredients are incredible and Native. They got coconut oil, they got shea butter. Another plus, none of their products are tested on animals and pretty much everything is vegan. And when you wear Native, you're not going to smell like a traditional deodorant. They have a bunch of great scents, coconut and vanilla, citrus and herbal musk, or lavender rose. So it really smells a lot more like essential oils than something you're going to find at your local drugstore. There's over 10 scents, including some of the ones I mentioned. So you're going to find something that vibes with you. It's got 16,000 five-star reviews. It's been featured on the Today Show. And that's for a reason. It's a great deodorant and it works. So make the switch to Native. Go to nativedo.com slash Marcus or use the promo code Marcus at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's native, 
deo.com slash Marcus, or use the promo code Marcus at checkout for 20% off your first order. Next up, we have On It, and it's going to start with a confession. I really like carbs. I like carbs. I like pasta. I like bread. I made some Italian bread, and I put some truffle butter and some Parmesan on it, and then I re-toasted it after it was already toasted from the butter that was already melting, and then the Parmesan melted on it. It was so good. However, I don't feel good when I have a bunch of carbs, and that's because my body runs better, and it runs cleaner with less inflammation and less of that blood sugar swing when I stay more keto. So when I prioritize my energy and my overall well-being over my mouth pleasure, which I don't always do, I'll acknowledge that, then I go a lot more keto. And on it has a bunch of stuff that can help you with that keto lifestyle, whether you're going all the way to be in full ketosis or whether you just want to support your body, like I usually do, with higher fat foods, lower carbohydrate foods, maybe some higher protein foods as well. So we're offering the Keto Collection. And one of the staples of any ketogenic lifestyle is MCT oil. And we have one of the best MCT oils on the market, period from 100% coconuts, none of that palm oil junk. And then we also have our fat butter, which is nut butter blended with healthy fats. It's fucking awesome. Now, fat butter is one of those things that when people try it, they look at me like, what did you just do to me? You just did something to me, and now nothing will ever be the same again. It's legitimately like a game-changing product. And I mix it in all my shakes, and my hot drinks, and my cold drinks by the spoonful. It's amazing. We also have a bunch of proteins that are lower in carbohydrates, our plant proteins, our whey proteins. We got elk bars. There's a bunch of stuff in the keto collection. So go to onit.com slash Aubrey, and you can save 10% off all of the stuff in the keto collection. That's onit.com slash Aubrey for 10% off forevers. And lastly, we have the Fit for Service Academy app. Now, most of you know that we just got through Snowmageddon here in Austin, and everything was absolute chaos. But one of the things that I keep hearing over and over that pulled people through was community. I just heard a story from my friend Juan, who was saying there was a bunch of cars in a ditch because everybody thought they could drive, but nobody could drive because it's all black ice. And all these cars were in the ditch, and there was eight dudes all trying to push their own car out of the ditch. And Juan was like, hey, if we all get together, we can push all of the cars out of the ditch. So all eight dudes got around each individual car and they pushed every single car out of the ditch with human manpower. This has happened over and over again. My friend CT figured out how to fix the pipes that were bursting in his condo units. Tim Kennedy had a neighbor who was a plumber that fixed some of the things for him. There's people dropping off food. I was getting rides from my friend Christian who's from Chicago and who had snow tires and he could take me places. Community came together because of the resistance. Now this is a physical natural disaster, but our own emotional and psychic disasters, we also need community. And that's why I'm so grateful for the Fit for Service Academy app because we see those things happening. We see those hard, difficult, challenging things happening to people. They reach out to the community. Somebody has resources. Somebody has information. Maybe somebody just is there to listen and say, I hear you. I see you, brother. I see you, sister. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Community is the solution. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We just got to meet each other and lean into that and... That's the reason for the Fit for Service Academy app, plain and simple. So go to the app store, look up Fit for Service Academy, and the first month is absolutely free, so you can check it out. There's a bunch of stuff, master classes, guided meditations, guided breathworks. We're going to be adding stuff all the time. 
There's all of the aspects of social media without any of the engineering and algorithms that try to trap you. It's just a really beautiful place to learn, to engage, and to share. So please check it out. You can also go to aubreymarcus.com slash FFS Academy. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Eric Godsey, part two of the Ayahuasca Recap. We're back. Part two. Part two. Starting with the median point in my Ayahuasca journey. So if anybody is just jumping into this podcast uh the last podcast i gave a brief overview of ayahuasca and talked about my first two nights and all the takeaways and some of the visions that i had so we're not going to recap the whole thing here we're just gonna dive in from uh from where we left off which was the rest day so the way that they do it at soltara it's two days of drinking ayahuasca one rest day in between which uh didn't have a lot of rest for me and we'll get into that and then there was two more uh, nights of journeying and drinking ayahuasca and then one full day of integration before you head home so here we are on that wednesday right in the middle and you know for anybody listening to the last um, podcast we did that talked about the first two journeys obviously there was a lot i was chewing on and uh, a lot of healing and in many ways the fever was starting to both express and starting to heal and what I mean by the fever is all the psychological, mental, emotional, spiritual constructs that I was working through. Um, but I had the sense that there was still a lot more to go. And certainly on the rest day, everything got heightened and amplified. And this is the thing about an ayahuasca journey that I think people overlook. They think it's all about the effects of drinking the cup. You're in ceremony the whole time. Yeah everything is the ceremony all the things that you're working on in between all of the things that you're wrestling with anything that comes to you your response to it is an opportunity to engage it with that kind of mindset of okay this is ceremony how am i going to deal with it because often we bifurcate ceremony in real life okay this isn't ceremony i just got this text message this is some bullshit (laughs) you know and in some ways that's exactly what happened to me Uh. (laughs) So I get in and, you know, get a little bit of sleep. Again, sleep is, you know, kind of a scant resource in, yeah. uh, in the ayahuasca journeys because you're getting to bed really late and getting up early for breakfast. Um, and I just received some messages from the home front. And it was, you know, a strange, and I won't go into the details, but it was an unusual amount of kind of stressful things in my interpersonal kind of community and extended community and what ended up happening is i took the limited information that i have i'm on you know limited communication and capacity and you know it was rest day open up my phone checking things out what came to me provided ample opportunity to me for me to be incredibly stressed out and i took it i was like oh great an all you can eat stress buffet and what i did with it is i just allowed it to magnify into more and more of a story so I had a limited amount of information. I extrapolated from that information what I believe, I created a story about what I believed was happening, which happened to be the most stressful possible outcome and and motivation (laughs) behind everything that I received. And I don't know why I default to that. I think a lot of us do. We'll interpret things in the way that's going to activate us the most. And maybe this was also you know the medicine working in its mm. way to show me this so instead of napping and resting and you know we were just navigating on little sleep and very raw these 
you know, challenges, which I think would have still been a bothersome experience in in a normal rested, you know, everyday life, but it was really amplified and the stories got really ramped up. And I carried that all day Mm. without sleeping. And Vi and I were both feeling the same thing. We were both, you know, bouncing it back and forth and, and she would feel something and I would feel something. And we carried this all the way till, you know, she was able to kind of let some go in some yoga. You know, I tried to nap. I was a little unsuccessful. <laughs> and uh, and I carried it until I actually finally got on a phone call and started, you know, talking to people who knew more information. And this was like dinner time. Wow. And I get on the phone and I start talking about it and I express my experience, what my story was. And, you know, fortunately I had a, a really dear brother on the other line and he's like, hear what you're saying and that's not my interpretation and i was like uh, immediately there's this flood of relief i was like oh thank god ah i can like switch timelines to a different story yeah and just living purely living in that different story made a world of difference which story was true i don't know but it doesn't fucking matter because i still don't know which story was true but by switching my story to adhere at least to add the doubt to my own story which i developed a certain sense of certainty about for no reason no justification <laughs> just my own projection um switching timelines to that other story which is largely well i don't know and at least this other story that isn't doesn't have any malicious intent behind it that story allowed my nervous system to finally relax yeah. and it was a deep lesson that sometimes it doesn't necessarily matter if you know whether you're right or whether you're wrong or whether you know where the but if you choose if you choose to live in a story especially when it is possible that things are unknown choose to live in the optimistic story right from a pragmatic standpoint yeah it's going to yield a better result for your life choosing the faith story choosing the story of you know giving the most benefit of the doubt you know having that optimist and yeah all right you may be wrong and be aware of the other aspects and be aware of the other motivations you're not turning a blind eye you're not being naive but you're just choosing to live in a timeline that's actually going to allow you to like be at peace find some equanimity yeah one of the most liberating personal uh insights is when you recognize and really feel almost every belief that you have you don't know and the essence of like the philosophical basis of pragmatism is that we haven't even evolved the apparatus to ever know capital T truth. And so the question is, what's the most useful story? Because especially when it comes to trying to understand other people's motivations, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And the fucking relief of, I don't know is something that a lot of spiritual people might not even know how to feel. Yeah, And it's so liberating. And what I love about our community is that we're able to use that word story as a very soft way of saying your opinion. Yep. That's your opinion, that's cool. What do you think their story is? And man. The it's fuck- opinion and, and deeper than opinion too. It's like opinion woven into a narrative that likely you know. justifies a feeling that you had before you got any of the data <laughs> right 
And what we've learned in doing the research for the book is like the way your brain is even structured. It seems to be the hypothesis is we evolve the ability to story make, to justify what the animal feels. And it's it's almost always coming after you've already just, or you've already claimed an emotion. Yeah, the emotion is a priori, the emotion is first. And then the story goes and finds a way with all their loose scaffolding and duct tape to build something that makes sense yeah. logically that you can track back to justify how you feel and how you want to feel because of some repressed emotions that you have or some action whatever your emotions that you're really feeling at the core of it and uh we do that all the fucking time you know every every part of our day we're doing that yeah we are the story making animal fundamentally yeah and you know in that in that experience it was again that became so day three which was the night off was a was a really powerful ceremony where i was able to really let that go and you know surrender into that unknown and then find the relief and then actually find that peace that i was really searching for all day because the other strategy the other thing that i was trying to do was again even though my lessons the night before were all about spiritual bypass it's fine to be jesus as long as you're jesus otherwise you're full of shit you know i had all of this yeah but still nonetheless i was like i have no way out of this anger you know i can't address it you know i don't want to engage in the actual thing directly with the individuals involved that didn't seem like the right time for that especially in my current state so like how do i alchemize these feelings well okay you know fine and i went i I didn't know another solution other than all right spiritual bypass Mm -hmm. all right let's find the loving loving way to just accept their anger and accept their malice and and send them nothing but love back it was not working at all it just wasn't working because i was angry i was actually angry yeah and so in that i mean eventually i would have moved through that you know as time and and the ability after i expressed it enough invented enough and got a workout and got some sleep i'm sure you know i'd have found the way but the simplest way was just to shift my story a little bit and then just watch it all just dissipate watch that fog of delusion that i talked about in the last podcast that i you know very viscerally witness watch it all evaporate back into the sacred geometry of oh i was angry oh it was just okay and now it can just dissolve back into my normal experience and it's such a potent um case study for what the psychedelic experience can actually do for people that brings the healing where someone just has a shift in a story that they may have told themselves for 25 years about why someone did something. And the psychedelic experience through magic we still don't understand can just offer like a vision or a sensation or even sometimes a single word. And it's like, oh, my dad was dealing with this. Oh, my story about him being like this. Oh, and then there's a like there is a fundamental change in the story that you have about who you are and how you got here that can happen in a moment that has nothing to do with the chemicals happening in your brain that then can leave like a healing effect that lasts for years that again has nothing to do because the chemicals no longer in your body mm-hmm. but it's just that shift and then just having that friend and it's why having people who can meet you 
who can hear your story and who also won't just affirm every fucking yeah. thing you say yeah. and that you trust their perspective. They can just be like, I hear you. And I actually don't even think it's that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like a mini psychedelic revelation in a friend just giving their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's- Did you guys have a sharing circle on the rest day? We did. We did. Did anything come up in that? <sighs> not too much. I mean, other than it was, you know, from my perspective, and I'm, I'm not going to share other people's For shares, sure. but from my perspective, it was just sharing a much hyphenated version of what I did in the last podcast, which is basically like there is no sickness of the world. There's no thing. There's no shadow that I don't share too. Mm. There's no aspect that's not within me. And right. I was just you know, kind of a vulnerable acknowledgement of like, whatever y'all are going through, I promise I have that same thing in me, whatever darkness you see, whatever you find out there, you know, like it's, it's within me, yeah. you know, as without, so within, you know, it's as above, so below, like it's all, it's all in there. It's all in the, it's all in the basement. It's an <laughs> all you can eat lobster and shrimp buffet of darkness right here, you know, and light, you know, I got right. all the remoulade of light that you can pour on your darkness, you know? <laughs> So yeah, that was um, that was you know kind of how that uh, how that went down. But the sharing circles are always a great way to yeah. tap into other people's experiences and and be there in support of each other. It really is one of the biggest community building aspects of the Aya journey. Yeah, I find that I tend to do more crying and have more insights on the integration days where people share their stories because there's this part of us that's always trying to find the gold or the gems in other people's experience. And like, it feels like a lot comes up in the ayahuasca space. But when I hear someone else share their story that adjacently has nothing to do with my life at all, mm -hmm. I start piecing together things that happened in the previous night. And I find them incredibly powerful if people are willing to be vulnerable and honest. Yeah. I guess the one, the one thing that stands out is, uh, is there's a gentleman there who, you know, really had some deep challenges with you know being shy not feeling like he's fit in he was bullied pretty you know severely and um it was so difficult for him to you know really feel like he wasn't being judged if someone laughed it felt like it was laughing at him mm -hmm. he, you know and all of this stuff of like his own shame and his own and you know really the ayahuasca as ayahuasca does just piled it on <laughs> yeah. you know like everybody that we were all going to kick him out of the retreat you yeah. know he wasn't all of the things that he was his fear that he wasn't good enough ultimately um was shown and and it was the whole experience was very very difficult for him and in that you know you realize that everybody's challenge is absolutely subjective there is no objective challenge there's nobody yeah. who has objectively a harder challenge than someone else and i think we miss that you know it's like easy for you to say no like everybody has their own challenge you know more wealthy people commit suicide than you know other classes of different individuals right it's not like there's this one thing oh if you have this this is the panacea and everything's good right. like the challenges are innate and they're all very personal and in that you know i was encouraging him when he as he faces this challenge because it is such an immense challenge and many of us don't have a challenge that's that strong that we're up against right now like what he's building the resilience the courage that willingness to fight through that's like spring loading him 
to navigate through so many other things because right. he has the maximum amount of resistance training, even though for someone else, none of the things that he's worried about, they're worried about at all. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that he's got a great challenge in front of him. And by pushing through that, he builds the character necessary to be able to push through anything. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind is everyone has their own 10 on a scale of one to 10, everyone. Everyone has a trauma from their past that is to them a 10. Everyone has their own dragon. And if you go towards yours, it spring loads you for the rest of your life. Like everyone has their four minute ice bath. Like some people's actual ice bath is the ice bath and they won't fucking do it. And some people are like Kyle. Yeah. And he'll dive into it with no clothes without any preparation. But Kyle has his own 10, you know, and you have your own 10. And if it's why the hero's journey is so elegant, you know, like each of us have our own inner dragon mm -hmm. that if we go towards, the rest of our life opens up. Yeah. Oh. Moving on to the next ceremony day, it was a much more peaceful day as a, as we were kind of heading, and I was grateful for that because I had the feeling like night three was going to be the night, and it absolutely was. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> and, uh, and I think they do this on purpose. I think they lead you through. That's why the cycle is so important. You know, they're just kind of getting you in, used to it, starting to do some work, and they have the ability through the energetics of the medicine and their song and the intentions that are set by the shamans, they can actually ramp up or ramp down intensity. Yeah. And it was very interesting going into it because I could, I had this feeling that like the wheels were a little bit loose on the chassis. Like there was just things that I was witnessing, like um, Maestra Marina's, the, the ember of her mapacho kept falling out like and she and then she's a gangster i just saw her pick it up twice whoa and like just put it and then re like put it away in the purge bucket and relight and then like two geckos fell on vilana's head fell from the ceiling to vilana's head and like one on one time when she was on her mat and one time like geckos are very sticky you know they don't like sometimes they'll you know kamikaze onto the ground but rare like a it was just like it's like huh. the opposite of the rainmaker yeah, it was like there was there was something in the air, like a little little strand of chaos that was kind of running through, uh, running through the ceremony. And I was like, it actually got me thinking. I was like, man, do I want to just do one cup? I'm feeling like there's some there's some wild energy here. Should I do two cups? So I went and asked uh, Maestro Teo, and he's like yeah two cups <laughs> what do you what do you mean i was like okay fine you know ended, ended the amazing. debate right there he looked at me like what do you what what are you even asking me for i was like all right all right sorry wow um so yeah again drank the two cups and uh what was interesting is i hadn't had that full unlocking you know dmt experience where i was just completely immersed in the vision space i mean i had visions but they were kind of like still in this floaty not like the crisp kind of like full dmt quote quote blast off experience that i remembered from ayahuasca so i was like you know i recently watched the dmt quest documentary and they talk about how breathwork practices can you know release endogenous dmt from the cerebral spinal fluid so i remember i was going into this and i was feeling pretty good and i was like ah, i feel really good maybe i should do some breathwork to ramp oh up the dmt God. And looking back, I was like, that was so cute. That was so cute that you thought you needed breath work because I didn't need shit. Because no. the Aya just hit. I mean, and it hit 
like to the maximum degree where just the whole reality just burst into the sacred geometry and the movement of all of these like massive massive beings that were just like floating through floating through the space and it was like really really at the first part it was like so beautiful i was just so in awe of everything that was happening and just feeling what was going on and i had a interesting encounter with this massive there was like different massive beings and when i say being they don't have a face they're not anthropomorphized they don't have like this is the guy with the crocodile head or this one looks like horus with the falcon head or no it was not that it was indescribable what they were but you could feel a shift in energy when they moved through the vision space and they felt like they moved through the room and i've had experience with beings of this magnitude before all the way from my second ayahuasca journey where there was this gigantic metal ship that beamed light underneath my tongue and then this giant flotilla that sucked the smoke out of my body and and in many other times you know rose when i did my rose dieta you know rose like these massive massive beings that are just energies beyond our comprehension and i remember there was this one in particular that came in into my vision space and it was just all the different colors and spiraling fractals and and the kaleidoscope of different you know sacred geometry that was moving through but i i could feel like dew on my face i could feel like a splash of water you know and and i could smell like flowers and grass and then all of a sudden my nose had like a histamine reaction like i got allergies and i was just kind of i chuckled to myself and i was like what what is the name of this being spring and like i got this strange confirmation like well of course maybe that's not exactly it but close enough like it's that essence of you know the birth of life you know so if you think of these things in aggregates like the the oversoul of a season right right? of like all life coming together and grass blooming in a season and and that's what it was or at least as close to it as we could describe with language you know but all of the the feelings and the and the sensation especially of the allergies that was really weird because we're out on the coast and the ocean there's no allergies i don't have any allergies and it just hit right when this being hit and i remember i was just like well if you are spring i do have some allergy issues and i was wondering if you could help me is it you know possible for you to help me with my allergies and i kind of i don't know what i expected but i expected like the being to like turn about face and look at me but all of a sudden just from the center of my vision these tendrils came in like wispy sacred geometry fingers and just went right up into my nose and i could feel all the little dr citos of light like tinkering with my sinuses and it was a really cool feeling like i think i just got like a magical healing for my allergies and you know sure enough when i went home cedar season this is my most allergic season in austin i was absolutely fine now that being said i am not one to follow all of the rules of the dieta and all of the dietary restrictions and all the ideas i'm not the one to follow that to a t 
right? I just, I have to know something for myself. I don't like taking other people's word for it. It's been the basis of my own spiritual journey from the start, right? which is like, oh, you're talking about God? All right, well, let me see if I can find God and then I'll, you know, we'll talk about it after <laughs> that. Oh, you're saying this? All right, well, let me go test right. it for myself. And I understood the importance of a lot of the integration practices, you know, absolutely vital. You have to lock in a lot of the lessons and a lot of the understandings and, and be able to process the material you have to take it easy on your body. You don't want to put yourself too, through too much stress. Like the basic principles I got. But they have some other things like, you know, different dietary restrictions, like no pork, no red wine, none of this for another two weeks. What was interesting is like three days afterwards, we had some people over. You were there. I was sharing the story. And, you know, some people were having some red wine. And I just had half a glass of red wine. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll have half a glass. Like, I'm not going to get drunk. You know, this isn't going to affect. And I felt that subtle magic. Yeah. That subtle magic that from that experience, my encounter with spring, it just dissipated. And I was like, oh, man. And look, this could all be my own projection. This could all be in my head. I acknowledge that everything could be attributed to coincidence. However, my felt experience of it was this was a very lightly touched subtle magic that was offered to me energetically from this being and for some reason when i put the alcohol in my body it was like okay yeah it's it like broke the spell right and so it really gave me a, a deeper appreciation to the subtle energetic magic that feels like it's happening in the ayahuasca journey there's a couple of things that come up for me when i hear that i think one of the big things from death psychology that most people that like Jung try to spend his life trying to get people to understand is when you say maybe it's just in my head it is all in your head but you're like where does your psyche end because the fact that you can hear me is proof it doesn't end at your body and for hundreds of thousands of people, their body is being stretched across time in a way that we don't understand on a physical level. And then if you get into that taboo word, quantum, you know, if you get into how quantum particles seem to, and I won't even pretend like I understand how mm -hmm. that shit works, but your mind, your psyche goes far beyond your body. And my understanding of reality is Every deity, every god, every archetype, every angel, every demon, every alien, on a, on a level that the ego does not understand, it is in you. And so, yeah, it happened in your mind, but so did everything else that's ever happened in your entire fucking life. But your mind doesn't stop at the edge of your skin, dog. Right. right. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, like, I find that getting to understand dreams helps me understand ayahuasca so deeply. And one of the things about dreams that people say all the time is it's like, it was my mom, but it wasn't my mom. Like I knew it was my mom in the dream. And there's this felt sense in the psyche that you don't need to see a face on the, on the entity. You don't need to hear words from the entity, but there is some part of you that if you get your ego out of the way, it knows and it knows that it knows. Mm. Like it's this felt sense of like, oh, that's spring. Oh, I'm being healed. Oh, that glass of wine just took it away. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, like 100%. there's this knowing and really feeling into the majesty of dreams 
is the evidence. Like you don't need to have someone explain it to you as an equation. Like have a dream where you're in a cabin, but you know it's your childhood home. Like some part of you knows. And so those were the two things that came up. It's interesting how, you know, I 100% feel like I do know all of these things, but it's almost, it's, it's, it feels, um, I guess, exposed to just go out and express this without the caveats. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I have to like, I, I feel compelled to throw out these caveats just so people aren't like, whoa, Aubrey, stop fucking hit pause on the psychedelics for a moment bro you're losing your shit yeah you know and it's like it's almost a way to say like i get it you know this sounds incredulous and maybe you're right going back to that i don't know you know but i kind of do know that's the funny thing right. there's a different type of knowing there's the thinking you know part of the mind and then there's the felt sense of like i just felt what happened and i don't expect you to believe me and you shouldn't this is a this is a show not tell game because you don't believe people just on their word no. and so and it's it's a relaxing into this is my story it's not your story i'm going to bring my story and if it inspires you to go adventure super dope yeah and i think the caveat can just be this is my story mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to get you to believe my story and it reminds me of uh Plato's allegory of the cave. Are you familiar with yeah. that? And you know, so like for people who might not know, the gist is there's a bunch of people in prison inside of a cave. The way the cave is set up, all they've seen their entire life are the flickers of a shadow on the cave wall. And one of the dudes' chains break. He gets to stumble outside. He sees the sun for the first time. He sees trees and hears birds and smells flowers. And he goes back to tell his friends in the cave about the real light. And they all look at him like, not only they, do they not believe him, but if they weren't chained, they would kill him. You know, because it's such a, an attack or an affront on their reality. And I think most of the people that you and I have learned to offer those caveats for, it's the people chained to the cave wall and they're terrified. They're like, don't you fucking tell me <laughs> that there's a sun. I've spent my entire life learning how to get coins for predicting how the shadows move. Don't you yeah. fucking tell me that there are birds. Right. And sometimes justifiably so, right? If if you've grown up potentially in a religious, in a very strict, you know, religious background that's telling you a bunch of things that are really painful and you've seen the pain of this, the the fear, the guilt, the shame, the judgment, all of these things that are based on what you can only surmise as superstition. You know, because it doesn't feel right yeah then at that point you say all right what's my savior all right materialist scientific provable you know things because that's I'm where a, i I'm went dispel of i'm going to dispel with all of this superstition which is causing all of this pain and causing all of this and so you can understand that and then someone's like yeah okay you're like that's cool but there's some other stuff that's real and then they would have to again change their paradigm say okay well there's all this science stuff but then there maybe is some things that are true as well that are beyond the realm of current explanation yeah. but the bridge between current explanation and the emerging science again looking at things like quantum entanglement spooky action is at a distance right. as einstein said things that are still becoming understood we're just discovering shit more and more constantly so i don't think it's a bridge that will never be filled in 
it's just for right now right we can't explain the phenomena of how spring affected fix my allergies <laughs> and then you right. know other than perhaps the placebo effect of me believing it but we can't explain the phenomena entirely and how alcohol reduced it yeah but perhaps you know if we had the subtle instruments and the measurements we could absolutely could figure it out one of the things that comes to mind, I don't know if I'll be able to articulate this because it's my first time kind of seeing this, but it's like <clears throat> the people that I respect the most are the people who are on their third version of their worldview or more. So the first worldview, you inherit from parents. Totally. The second worldview, it's the first time where you're like, fuck the one I was given. And for most people, it was like a childhood version of a profound spirituality that was articulated 2,000 or 4,000 years ago. And most people stay there because of the pain of changing your worldview once, it's like, no, I'm an atheist now. I know the scientific method. I actually don't understand that the way science works is that it's a process and that every fact that's ever been generated has been updated at some point. I'm just gonna use this as my fixed sword to cut up the five-year-old version of christianity that i was given it's the people on the third version where they realized oh not even that is right oh fuck maybe there isn't even one stable square that i can ever stay in and instead of trying to stay inside of a square it's like okay i'm gonna go explore the mystery and the miracle of the shit that i do not understand and that that's actually the essence of science like the essence of science is not any fact it's the way to go about finding new facts yep yeah that's really well articulated and i never thought about it in the in the terms of your first worldview second worldview third but that's the third is is the harmony and then there's the successive ones thereafter but once you get to the third you've kind of got the process down you're like okay i'm ready to discard this i'm not <laughs> yeah. attached to this by any means yeah. you know because it is a it's a heroic herculean effort to discard the first and then sometimes you can get caught in a trap where you're so busy discarding that you don't believe anything anymore and like everything you become skeptical of everything i almost i've i've talked about this with a few people but i got so skeptical that i truly believe that if i have lived if anyone could have seen how bad it got i would have ended up in a mental hospital like in my early 20s because i found radical philosophical skepticism and then i found psychedelics and i didn't have friends and it got like i got fucking close <clears throat> and i think it's buckminster fuller who says like there is no profundity in brilliant skepticism it does not take intelligence to be brilliantly skeptical. It takes intelligence to offer solutions or to offer possibilities. And skepticism is great to break out of like dogma. But if skepticism is your highest function, like I got to the point where people would tell me they were hungry and I genuinely tried to dissuade them from the fact that they knew they were hungry. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. This is just your ghrelin. Bro, actually. it was so bad. <laughs> it's creating this impulse in your brain. But I, yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, so as I'm encountering these beings, I had another really radical experience in the last, you know, in the last journey I talked about when I started calling on, you know, the Jesus energy, that blistering energy of love that was awakening in my heart. 
I wasn't calling on Jesus this time because everything was great. And, you know, that's also something to look at potentially <laughs> that, that you only start to pray when stuff gets gnarly. They don't, how about maybe calling on Jesus when I feel good? Yeah. Uh, but, anyways, <laughs> but I could feel anyway something similar where like this radical opening of my heart. And, you know, I've expressed this. I, I feel like I'm a loving person, but my heart's always been somewhat clenched. It's always had a tighter fist and the petals are reticent to really bloom, but I could just feel all of that start to melt. And the ecstasy of life in that state, just the sheer bliss of it was overwhelming. I mean, almost so blissful, almost so ecstatic that it's too much. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's like, you, have, you know if you have an orgasm let's say someone's offering you oral sex and then they just keep going after you ejaculate <laughs> and i can't give the corollary for you females but probably the same thing you know right it continues clitoral yeah. stimulation after your orgasm you're like chill 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 right. it's too much yep. it still feels good yep. like i'm telling you it feels good but it's too much yep. it was like that feeling with my heart to a certain degree it was like whoa this feels so good like i don't know if i can take it feeling this good you know and it was just one of those just really radical experiences i've only had a few times where it's just your body is just completely lit with ecstasy like you're just frozen in that moment of orgasm for i don't know how long it was but a long time and you're just breathing and opening your jaw and like just trying to cope with that much pleasure yeah. Yeah, I had a moment on one of my nights where the way I articulated it is if a single atom of excitement fell into my body at that moment, I would have burst into stardust. <laughs> it was, and like, there isn't even a part of me that asks, why can't I always be here? Because I, it, I wouldn't, there would not be an Eric if that was always happening. I would never make it to the bathroom. I would starve. No one would know any of the stories and I, I would have no stories but it's a it's a great instrument that you can pluck maybe once every three years mm. yeah Whew. it's a it's a recalibrating thing and i think the the big lesson is like life is so full it is the plenum of ecstasy you know it is over like completely overfilled and bursting with ecstasy if we allow it you know allow ourselves to open to it and i just want to open to a lot more you know i, I think it's unrealistic to try and open to that 100 percent level or i don't even think i was at 100 but whatever 90 percent you know and normally in waking life i'm at 20 percent. yeah you know like can i edge that up to 35 40 where just that joy is mm -hmm. and i and it's a normal state that you can get in where it's just like things are exciting and laughter is just one little you know smile away and and just tears are so close and mm. you're just so fully alive and um or this is just calibrating that like stretching and all the way open so hopefully i stay more open but it's again it's going to continually be prying open those heart petals yeah. and just and prying is probably not the right word because it's just letting letting go of the tension that's holding them closed it takes energy to hold them closed mm. our natural state is to be open you know, so the clenching actually takes force when you let your hand go limp that's when you know that takes the least effort and that's the way it is with our chakras our heart yeah the psychic energy that it takes to close them so everything to this point fucking awesome 
foreshadowing. Awesome. <laughs> Marina, my maestra Marina comes by and she offers her Ikaro and just, you know, I think I might've mentioned this, but just such a powerful force for me, you know, and just, I could feel this crazy Baba Yaga energy and strength and, and mastery. And she's singing her Ikaro and it's driving me deeper and deeper, but also consolidating a lot of the kind of I feel like I was emitting a massive amount of energy from my ecstasy. It was just putting out this big field and she was just drawing it in, 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 calling it, singing it, you know, with her agua florida and all the wow. sense like blowing it, sucking it, putting it all in. And when I say sucking, there's a process called chupar, which is actually the sucking of energy. And then the blowing of good energy is just one of the shamanic tools that right. they use where they, and then they spit that part out and then they, you know, put some agua florida in their mouth and they'll blow like it's it's this whole process that's happening it's just absolutely magical but it consolidated a bunch of this energy and it drove me into a very very challenging moment where i started to realize all of the ways that i was like my father and i don't want to go too deep into that because it's a very personal journey that i'm still unpacking but I think this is universal to a certain extent that yeah. our parent, particularly of the same sex, exerts a force on our life. And I've dealt with a lot of those different forces, some different traumas, some different gratitude for the growth that I've had and the, the things that he's passed on to me. And, and he was the one who brought me into psychedelic medicine when I was, as a, for a vision quest when I was 18. Yeah. I mean, so, so many things that I'm grateful for. But there's also aspects that I really want to push against. I don't want to be like my father in many, many ways. And I started to think about all of the ways in which I was, as I'm now about to turn 40, like becoming more like my father. And it was horrifying to me. And I had this real understanding that if I'm resisting being my father, I'm not being my authentic self because I'm pushing something away and so i'm not finding the the center point if i don't resist at all and i'm being just sucked by the gravity of my conditioning that uh, of learning by example the mimicry that we all have that, that mimics our parents if i'm being sucked towards him i'm not my authentic self yeah so i had this deep understanding that you know, and, and we've talked about this privately, but there's a ritual, an actual, actual real life ritual and a journey that I need to go to, to be able to not be pushing away, you know, the becoming like my father and not be getting sucked into become and right. being my authentic, authentic me. And uh, this is no easy task. And I, I look forward to one day being able to share not only the details of this revelation, but also the the conclusion of this revelation but i think it's it was just really important and i wanted to share that we may find that at some point in yeah. our life where our appearance starts to look resemble our habits our the things that we found like annoying about my dad like it was little things like he would always forget where he was situating a certain thing like where did i put my glasses where did i put this thing and i was finding that in the in the ceremony space because i'm completely discombobulated because i'm blasted on ayahuasca but nonetheless i was and like where's my thing work. and i'm like oh my god it's like my dad he, he, can't, he couldn't find his things either and it was this big repulsion which was just illuminating height showing a mirror that okay there's a way that i need to find my center of centers differentiated from my father what comes to mind is it's the difference between the follower 
and the rebel and the revolutionary. The follower is just doing what they're being told, you know, and a lot of people love to say the word sheeple or whatever, but uh, the rebel is as chained to the authority figure as the follower because their entire identity is based on being the opposite of what they don't like, but they're not their authentic self. <clears throat> the revolutionary is the one that has a vision of a new way of being, chooses to be that thing, and that it has, it's not molded by the tyranny or the authority figure or the parent. And there's a lot, like in my age bracket, I know a lot of really smart people who are trapped being rebels. Yeah. And they are not free. And they act like they're free and they talk shit about the people who they don't see as being rebellious. <clears throat> but their identity is defined as being the opposite of. Right. But um, again, a quote by Buckminster Fuller is the best way to um, the best way to overthrow a system is not to attack a system. It's to is to create a better system and to replace it. And you can apply that to our identities. The best way to become who you are is not to attack who you don't like, and it's not to run away from what you don't like. It's to motherfucking create a better. Yeah, and that's the process. That's the process. And I'll, I'll, uh, I look forward to walking that path with you and yeah, thank watching. You, yeah. And I'll need all this, all the support to do it because it's going to be a, it's going to be a deep journey. So, and I look forward to sharing that It'll with all of you. Story. There's very few things that I, that I think about and go, yep, nope, not yet. I mean, I, I can, I don't know if I can think of hardly anything that I've ever gone through in my life, but yep. this is just one of those where I got a clear, like have a clear understanding that this is for me. And one day it'll be. Uh, It'll be written about in a book and talked about on podcasts and things. Um, all right, so I transitioned from that. That was the very first eye-opening. Okay, now we're now we're into the work and the and the ecstatic feeling dissipated, <laughs> yeah. and it was, still wasn't super gnarly yet. Um, but in that, I went successively towards a lot of other things that I had to work on, and the next one that really came up was lust. Like I had some. And I think there's, um, I have a, a way that my mindset, I will take my thoughts into a fantasy, a sexual fantasy or a lustful thought to actually escape. It's a form of escapism into a pleasurable reality because we can paint this picture in our mind. But if I can go to a, to go to a fantasy scenario in my mind, I find immense comfort in that. You know, I find like there's a, it's relaxing it's enjoyable and i'm in this little world i've created this little bubble where i'm in this place it's like ah oh, this is a break and maybe that's how i got there i don't know how i got there but i ended up getting there potentially from the discomfort of this you know thing that was happening with my father i was just like okay i got to change it i want to change the channel oh i see what you're saying yeah like okay. i want to change the channel i got this message let me reach to my comfort let me let me go grab my you know my blankie my teddy you know, and let me snuggle my <laughs> lust here close. Of course, wow. ayahuasca had more to reveal than that. It was Bruh. not going to let me off the hook that easily. You know, that's not the way that mama works. And as soon as I opened to that, then it just, I felt like this incredible tug on my guts. Like every aspect from my third, second, first, fourth shot just got pulled like there was a giant suction and it was just like 
and I could feel all of the the hormones and everything release, you know, even with the just the slight opening to that. And like it was so strong, so magnified, that visceral, visceral feeling of lust that it was like, this is an unbelievably powerful force. And I think we all understand that it's a powerful force. And then you read the spiritual texts and you understand that this was always one of the last most difficult things that people were wrestling with. And they were wrestling with it through, you know, trying to push it away or actually deny themselves it. But that which you deny oftentimes gets stronger. So I never resonated with that concept. But I could understand that the grappling with this was so intense because it's so, so deeply ingrained yeah. to the very, very fundamental nature of who we are you know reproduce survive like that's like at the very core written into every dna strand of every living being thing bacteria doesn't fucking matter even though they're probably not lustful but that same drive it's now in us in a such a strong way and uh just that mirror of how powerful that is damn man the hardest part of my hardest night was night three and i won't get into the story because it's going to take us the full time to tell (laughs) your story um but the effect of that energy not being consciously expressed um just that was the teaching for night three and how it's affected every woman i've ever known how it's affected my mother and my sisters every lover i've ever had how it's come through me, how it can be healed, how often when people uh, uh, say they're healing it, they're actually reperpetuating it. And it's so fucking big how much our entire world culture, our history has been molded by this energy and has been molded by our relationship to this energy and our repression of this energy and our And that the repression of this energy has created so much deviation and trauma and pain that's inflicted on people who aren't even old enough to speak consent. Like it's one of the big things in the room that is not talked about. Um, And like in my personal life, what I have found, like the, the only way to like hold that lightning bolt is to be obsessed with a craft that creates art Mm. like freud talked about that uh and this is a side note i won't get into it but um that like the best way to hone that fucking beast inside of any healthy body is to just insanely make art Mm. you know and like if you look at people who have huge outputs outputs of artistic ability their pun was noticed (laughs) (laughs) they have a huge libido yeah the the and the challenging thing is is that so many times the desire to make art is a desire for the result that is going to satiate your lust also so it's like i and i can recognize this in my own life you know one of the Things. so you know i've been trying to grapple with this in a variety of different ways and of course my open relationship journey was part 
curiosity, part spiritual, you know, and philosophical understanding about the nature of love, and part just a way to, you know, provide an outlet that was in honesty and in awareness and in right. agreement with my partner, you know, that could allow the expression of this lust to exist. And I really felt, you know, there was a grieving and there was a death of this idea because so much of what I did was yes i loved i loved everything that i was doing i loved writing that book i loved you know all and we've talked about this before on the podcast i loved all of the pieces of art that i created but somehow some motivation a little bit of extra sizzle a little bit extra spark that i put in my motivation was (laughs) yeah maybe that beautiful girl is going to read it and maybe they'll you know like me more because i did this amazing thing Mm. and so it was like woven into the very production of everything not solely responsible for right. it, but like interwoven. Add some, some sauce. Yeah, add some it, spice. It, it did. Yeah. It did absolutely. So, you know, entering into the monogamous relationship with Vailana, I had to really find the creation of this art and the everything that I was doing from a purity of purpose, because that was no longer a thing. And Vailana loves me, you know, unconditionally and is unconditionally attracted to me so far. I imagine that's going to continue, but so there was no, I, there was no way that I could convince myself that, oh yeah, I'm working out because you know this is going to make somebody more attracted to me, or I'm, I'm mm. writing this because you know someone will be attracted to my brilliance, mm. or I'm accomplishing this because they'll be attracted to the stature that I'm creating. It really forced me to go into a, a real purity of purpose, and there was a lull there. Of course, the world was in chaos in 2020, but there was a lull there. Where it was really hard to get motivated. I was mm. quite happy. I mean, I was happy with Vi, but the motivation, you know, was really not there. And and you see this in the in the kind of tropes and the stories about what happens when people get married and they kind of just get a little comfortable in that. And and certainly that's not the way. That's the unconscious way, you know. And right. then like the actual way would be able to harness and alchemize that force into something productive. Yeah, you know, into something that that isn't feeding mm. that but actually using it and i don't necessarily have the perfect answer i'm really now deeply viscerally understanding how much force this is yeah. and then i think a lot of the tantra and sex magic practices and i know we have some practitioners in our circle and we want to dive deeper into this for our own understanding like how do we harness this energy that's an incredibly powerful resource right. into something more productive than the literal satiation, which has been, you know, part of the, you know, modus operandi for most of us for a long time. <laughs> it reminds me of this story that um, came from the book that you recommended to me, The Smell of Rain on Dust. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly the chapter that you told me that you knew would stand out for me, that it blew my mind. And essentially what he was talking about was so the whole book is about grief and praise. And he talks about like the grief and the praise of never getting the that first love. And it blew my mind, but it's essentially what he was saying was like what the elders in indigenous communities will understand is when that 15-year-old sees that other 15-year-old and it's like you see her face in the water you, you smell her scent on flowers. She's everywhere and always. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't work out and you don't get it. In our culture, you know, we, we feel bad for the young 
man or woman who doesn't get the love that they want. But the elders in these indigenous cultures, they would celebrate it because what it does is it creates a longing that can only be held by the divine afterwards. And so like, at least for me, it feels like, and maybe once I have a wife, I won't feel this way, but it feels this way now that like, I put the extra sauce on the newsletter for the divine. I work out to express my vitality to the divine. Now I know it's gonna be attractive, that's dope, but the highest thing is like the divine. And I feel that like interwoven into so many parts of my life and I can feel fundamentally it's because for four years in high school, I couldn't get that one that I wanted. And like it set this tone inside of me and um, that might be a possible way for this energy. The thing is, I think every, every point of resistance, which is that not getting, cause I didn't get the one that I wanted either till I was 21. That was the very first time I ever got one of the girls that I really liked that I had that right. thing, you know, that thing about. Otherwise I was, I was with people, but it was always like, oh, you like me? Well, I'm busy liking this person, but that person doesn't <laughs> like me. So let's do it, you yeah. know? So, you know, in that, <laughs> in that understanding that I couldn't ever do it, I, I built this ferocious desire to be and i've told this story before yeah. there was a defining moment where i was in las vegas and it was a burlesque show that was based on the crazy horse in paris and i think i was right around that age i think 21 must have been 21 because i didn't have an id at that point that could get me into the place where i was drinking and i was definitely drinking so 21 in vegas at the crazy horse and and uh i don't forget what it's called la femme maybe and they're just beautiful girls women dancers and and i was again never able to be with the one that i wanted and i was like whatever it fucking takes like i'm gonna build myself into the most impressive human being i possibly can so that i could ask one of these girls out on a date and she would say yes and so from the start instead of being like actually let me start this love affair with the divine i was like fuck that yeah. this is fucked up and bullshit and i'm gonna work in every category there's not a single thing that i'm gonna try that i'm not gonna try and master just in case that impresses somebody along the way and so that was like kind of the the growth story yeah. for that really motivated me from the start and this is the the period of the full unraveling of that where it's like no no, no i'm i'm squared away like i'm set i have my partner for life like this is no longer an issue and my mind cannot justify i cannot even build the scaffolding i go to build the lumber to say this matters for my love no it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter i can't justify it at all so now now finally at 39 which you've got at 20 from <laughs> your experience i'm in the same place where this has to be about my relationship to god and to other people and the purity purity of that is it's what i would want you know this is the evolution this is my spiritual evolution to actually be moving from a purity of purpose because i know there's no there's no outs i'm with my i'm with my partner we're monogamous like there's no outs on the board for this other thing and i don't want there to be i've already been down that path it's brutal i know the open relationship thing i'm not going to propose that again i don't want to go through that again i don't want to put vilana through that that's not an option there's no and i'm not going to be dishonest no fucking way yeah so there's no outs on the board so now now it's really about doing it exactly as you express out of like Rumi's, yeah you know dance with the great beloved like this is for the great beloved which is all beings and the divine itself 
And with all that said, it feels like ayahuasca is like, and you've raised a fucking wolf. And the wolf oh, is alive and it howls 100%. and it's not going to go quietly into <laughs> nope. that dark night. No, nope. I mean, training the wolf to, to, to hunt the light, purely right. the divine yep. light, you know, rather than, and again, I, I feel like I had beautiful, thanks to a great relationship with my mom and great relationship with the feminine all the way from my grandma to my mom. I had many, many beautiful relationships with all the women that I was with but it doesn't mean that that wolf wasn't ravenous right you know it was just it was an honorable wolf but it was large and hungry you know and the relationships were very nourishing and substantial and most of my partners were my partners for years like rarely have i ever had a partner for less than six months or a year you know maybe one one night stand in college is like the the only time i had an experience like that because i like i like the getting in there you know and like knowing someone and loving them yeah. and like that's the thing for me you know that's and that's also a, also a part of it but yeah there's a it's a it's a major major force and ayahuasca just put that in front of my face and and the only thing that i could it was so overwhelming and i was like all right i know that there's no outs but i can't hold this alone so part of it is sharing this you know and just mm. opening and sharing this with yourself and now i guess everybody who's listening <laughs> but uh part of it also was like you know I, like vilana has to help me hold it yeah it doesn't mean we have to do any we're not going to do anything with it it's not like directed into this category but like just help me hold it like this is a this is a burden also you know a pleasure and also something that i celebrate about me but it's a burden and like let's hold this together and i think that was another mm. fundamental principle of the sacred union is just the radical honesty and the forthrightness about this is a factor like can you hold this with me sweetheart and you know of course after the journey i mentioned it and she had a quite a few laughs but i know that that's the way that right. like in the honesty of like holding it together and then that way it's not shameful and it's right. not secretive and there's no distance created from me and her because of this there's a quote over here who it's by but it's shame is healed when there is a safe place to tell the truth Mm. yep that sums it up so after my encounter with lust um i went interestingly i had a very similar experience in the the darkness retreat when i finally like day three or four after you know no light no sound i engaged with lust and it was fucking overwhelming you know i think we're always always so numb and so distracted Mm. that it feels you feel it but it's not like the full force of it yeah but after that i had to purge like i had to fucking purge it was like (laughs) that was the maximum amount that my body could take so i go into the restroom and uh waddle my way in there super disoriented (laughs) sit down on the that bathroom waddle on two cups of oh man (laughs) and uh and they have a bucket in front of the toilet (sighs) And I was just letting both sides have it. What they call double platinum. Double platinum. <laughs> double platinum. I mean, just relentless violent diarrhea, relentless purging at the same time, you know, on and on. And I felt the very, a very strange sensation. And in the moment where I had a little bit of a break, just a moment's respite between the constant shitting and the constant vomiting, I felt the urge to reach for my phone in my pocket my, my phone was not in my pocket 
but I felt that instinct to reach yeah. and go check my Instagram. Wow. As, and, as and you're purging. As I'm purging. And what I ultimately, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. This, <laughs> this coping mechanism, this addiction is so deep that on two cups of ayahuasca, shitting and puking, I still, in a moment's rest, want to go check my phone. Wow. And really realizing like the energy behind it is, again, it's that quick little bit of comfort. I'm uncomfortable, just the same way that drove me into lust. I'm uncomfortable. Let me think about something lustful. Blam, blasted into this full recognition. Wow. Oh, I'm on the toilet. I'm, per- I'm puking and I'm shitting. I'm uncomfortable. Let me go to my phone. I'll nestle into this, lose my mind and thoughts and find some validation from the people who like my posts or the DMs that I get. And just, I'll you know check some things and it'll be a little bit of comfort. And this is a big thing for me, constantly reaching for little bits of comfort because I'm constantly a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit anxious, a little bit projecting into the future, wondering what's going to happen, a little bit thinking about the past and some things that I could have done better, you know, and I'm always reaching for comfort because I'm always a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's a big part of what I have to heal. And the, and the Instagram is just a tool to assuage my inherent, ever-present discomfort. And I was like, fuck. And then, so then I'm in there and that makes me puke even more. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, look at me. Like I'm fucking constantly reaching <sighs> for comfort. Even in this moment, I'm so hooked into this, these little pits of validation and this little way to distract myself. Can I just be with this relentless nausea and this purging and can I, can I be with it? And I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then successively thing after thing came on, like I- are you I, still in the bathroom? I'm still in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom for a while. Like it was just not stopping. And and some of the purges, like you get most of the fluid out, but it's just like the retching. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the retching and the spitting. And then I would think about little things like earlier in the day, you know, Vailana's working on this beautiful art piece for her cover album. And I gave her an unsolicited opinion about which color hummingbird feathers I liked in the two versions. And I was like, oh, so gross she didn't ask you for that opinion why are you fucking why are you giving that it doesn't matter it's her album who cares about the hummingbird feathers Whoa, yeah. like just love the both of them you know like what are you doing uh, like fucking, wow. and everything is like oh god wow. so much so much to look at from that from that clarity you know and uh event the bathroom was like where it was all it was just all coming and i realized like fuck i don't want to forget all of these things that i keep remember so i created like an acronym in my mind and it was a really interesting moment because i realized how important it is when we're lost to have a little map because mm-hmm. that eased a lot of because i was like i got to remember the stuff about my father i got to remember the stuff about lust and i probably would have remembered it anyways but you never know in an experience Not like for sure. that there's nothing can, can slip away yeah there's nothing i could write down I was like, okay, I gotta remember this thing about Instagram. And then I started, I continued. And then the next two ideas, which I'll get into, were pressure and help. And I was like, oh, fuck, how do I put all those? All right, fliff. I'm like, F L I P H. And I was like, fliff, fliff, fliff. Like, remember this. I like, love that. Father, lust, Instagram, pressure, help. 
as long as I can remember these things, at least I'll have like something to write about later. You know, so the next one, the P in the FLIF acronym was just the pressure. And so much of it is self-generated. Like so much of the pressure that I experience is self-generated. My own expectations, my own drive, this own sense of push. And some of it I'm contractually obligated to things. Right. You know, like I have advertising agreements. I have uh, a book deal that has a deadline i have responsibilities and obligations that require you know a lot of work and some of them i've created a weekly newsletter you know weekly podcast weekly these different things that but it was just like at that point it seemed just fucking overwhelming all the responsibilities i have are on it and fit for service and the fit for service academy app and all of the other projects and the other things i have going on and the the communities that i'm in and involved in and it was just like absolutely overwhelming and my instinct was man you gotta like you gotta give all that back with love but like give it all back you can't you can't handle it of course i had the kind of the wisdom to understand don't make any of those decisions while on the medicine because everything is magnified but that pressure is real and i think i can alleviate the majority of it by my orientation to it and the way that i navigate it but it is a legitimate concern and consideration that if I'm going through a massive transformational healing process, you know, becoming a new being, which I feel like is happening in a lot of ways, being mindful of the actual, you know, responsibility that I have and the promises that I've made is something to be mindful of, you know? Yeah, there's an image that comes to mind and it feels like almost like Sisyphus, but like also an endurance runner. And it's something like, um, you create an identity that at some point was the newest version of what you could possibly be. It's the dopest thing that you can possibly be. And you almost like hook chains to your body. You're like, I'm bringing this with me. Yeah. Like I'm bringing this newsletter. I'm bringing this company. I'm bringing these other people's healings and all that shit. When you first start, you're like, you know, bring me giants. Give me the largest possible thing and I will fucking carry it. And uh, you finally get to a point where you realize like, I have a limp that I've ignored yeah. since the beginning of the race. Yeah. And I now have enough awareness to know that I'm going to heal the limp. But to heal the limp, I have to stop running for a certain amount of time. Yep. I've got to take all the chains off. I'm afraid that people won't love me if I take the chains off. I'm afraid that people won't respect me if I take the chains off or whatever it is. But And I'll lose momentum and I'll never be able to get in the same race. I mean, there's a million justifications why not to do it. But once you know the limp is there, like this is the hard thing about like, I, I, it may have been Ram Dass who said the only antidote to consciousness is more consciousness. Maybe it was Alan Watts, but mm -hmm. it's like, you know, beware if you tell the universe that you want to wake up and that you want to be conscious because the moment you become aware of a thing that you know is off, there is no going back. Like you can try to drink alcohol for a decade and you might pretend that you're going back, but really you've just paused on the pain. You know, and it's like, you see the limp. But the beautiful thing, man, is like, you've got people who can, who you can lean on. Absolutely. While you mend Absolutely. the leg. Yeah. And so, you know. I'm I didn't even mean to segue to help, but here we are. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that was it. That's the H, you know, and that's, self-reliance is important, you know, and it's, it's important to be able to self-soothe and to be able to, you know, take care of yourself when you need to, because sometimes you have to, 
and especially in a medicine journey like this, like mm. there's no help. I mean, there is. If you really need it, if you really want to call over one of the facilitators and they'll blow some smoke on you, and but you're in it. <laughs> and even that, like what's happening inside you in your psyche, no one can reach. You exactly. have to do that. And it's 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 like that with death too. Like you can yeah. have someone holding your hand, but it, the thing happening inside you, it's just you and that thing. So that sense of self-reliance is important. And I celebrate that. And I celebrate that for everybody and, and myself. You know, I can get myself out of most situations. I can handle most of these situations. But there's a lot of situations that would be a lot easier and a lot better and a lot and yield a better result bring me closer to people and if i just asked for help if i just really reached out especially to you know my male friends you know like it's easier for me to ask vi for help like hey can you know i need a little healing here i need you know some tender words or whatever i can i'm pretty comfortable in that and i think it's also because of the health of my relationship with the feminine yeah my whole life you know i could get that from my mom or my grandma or anyone and all my partners you know to a certain degree there's been that energy but especially for with men it's like no, no i got this like i'll figure it out yeah you know like I we totally can work together you. on that oh you want to work together on something cool i'm down or like you want to share responsibilities great but like not like hey brother i need help right you know that thing is it's the last it's like the Same. last guy it's like prayer and asking for help or like in case of emergency break glass and inside you'll find prayer and asking for help i could certainly push those a little bit forward in the fucking repertoire of options but uh yeah just a real understanding of that and uh and i think that's another big thing if i'm really endeavoring to heal myself to the biggest degree possible and reach yeah. my potential i'm not going to do it alone you know i resonate with that so much because that is my biggest biggest obstacle you know like is asking for help specifically from men and it's because as a child i couldn't feel that i could rely on my dad you know my dad did his best like one of the big things that i've connected to recently is <clears throat> the dad he got what he has done with that as a model is a fucking miracle. Like he crushed it. And also the truth is that my child self felt like <laughs> I could not rely on you for anything. Mm. And I can feel that like one of the things that's the hardest for me is uh, even allowing people that I didn't ask for help to give me help. And I had a pretty powerful um, ketamine journey a couple months ago where I felt myself actually release to the universe energetically to allow help to come, not from anything specific or anyone. And I just start like, I, I wept how like an animal screams on ketamine with like no actual vision, just this feeling of like, like it felt like the universe has been outside the door with a bushel of roses waiting and I finally opened the fucking door and just fell on my knees and cried. And for some reason, like it's 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 it feels like it's one of the hardest things for me. Mm. It is interesting tying it back to our you know familial relations, because one thing my dad was always there for was an intellectual opinion. Mm. And I'm actually pretty good at asking people for their intellectual opinions. We've had plenty of walks and plenty of talks. And wow. there's lots of people where, oh, yeah, I'll reach out. I'll call Ted Decker. I'll get his intellectual opinion. You know, I'm like, 
because my dad was always there for that but like emotional support mm, did his best that's not his that's not his jam that was not his thing yeah you know so he wasn't there for that or you know spiritual support or but yeah it's very interesting that i'm only i've only been truly comfortable in asking for that thing or you know working on a project together again i was like hey dad let's work on this thing together he was like all right cool let's do it you know but that uh the other aspect was just not something i was able to pattern not something that was available and so i retracted that and said okay well for all things emotional it's on me i gotta handle this shit myself or go to the feminine you know for that kind of nurturing so yeah but it's kind of bifurcated like the feminine can provide the nurturing support and the masculine could provide the intellectual clarity but i didn't cross the streams mm-hmm. you know in, in a lot of ways and uh but yeah interesting to, to think about that and interesting for the audience to think about the ways that yeah. they've been able to access help from their parents and if that pattern has played out in their life because it has yeah <laughs> yeah for sure finally make my way back to the maloka um and completely disoriented i mean it's a circular maloka with mats on the other side i walked in there and i was like i am in an infinite dr strange loop of infinite beds and i have no idea where i am but fortunately sylvia came and you know led me to my mat i wasn't even close when I mean, you're I think disoriented I was in the right hemisphere but like fucking not even close man when you're disoriented in that maloka and one of the helpers just like appear out of the ether to just guide you they feel like i've never felt more viscerally that <laughs> angels exist outside of my body and yeah. they have limbs and they smell like people yeah <laughs> they could just sense the it's... the radical disorientation like oh god i'm in a circle and i'm at somewhere but everywhere i look there's a person in it <laughs> um so i lay back down and so you know tobacco is a spirit is a plant that is very closely affiliated with ayahuasca use so most ayahuasqueros are tobaqueros first and they start working Mm. with tobacco as a medicine as a plant and as a spirit communicating with the spirit of tobacco just like they communicate with the spirit of ayahuasca and so you always get mapachos which are you know south american nicotinia rustica different type of tobacco than the north american tobacco that you find here in cigarettes and different things of course cigarettes have all the additives but it's basically just tobacco rolled in a paper sometimes they roll it in tobacco leaves like a cigar and that's better but harder to find um but you always get that but i didn't really feel drawn to smoke the mapacho very much this time i i did historically for the wachuma and the ayahuasca journeys because i've developed you know such a strong hape practice which is actually the same south american strain of tobacco nicotina oh, uh, but just dried sometimes fermented ground and then mixed with admixture plants so i brought it into the ceremony and of course it's dark so it's a little bit difficult to navigate God. that but i but i finished you know i got my toothpick in and this is another great like little mini ayahuasca hack like bring a mint toothpick because after you purge or after you drink the ayahuasca like chewing the little toothpick is lovely wow like it's a nice you don't want to put anything too strong in your mouth because you'll everything is exactly completely exaggerated like i remember one time i brought like scented wet wipes and i like tried to cl- and i was like oh my god what is this fucking chemical i just bathed in this is a disaster and i got to go back and like rinse it all off and it was this whole fucking process because it was overwhelmingly yeah. strong 
and you're really sensitive but just like a tea tree oil dip toothpick or cinnamon dip toothpick um they have all, all those all over the place it's a great thing to have so i pop one of those in taking some deep breaths got my back up against the back wall kind of getting my bearings i'm pretty sure i wiped all the poo off my legs that splattered around from the toilet and did a full washing and i was like feeling like all right we survived the experience here and uh and then i go for my hoppe and as i go for my hoppe i have this vision of an anthropomorphized version of the tobacco spirit and it looks like paul bunyan but with a wolf Mm. and it was this like really strong man with kind of like rolled up sleeves and kind of like boots and um like a i don't know like yeah paul bunyan looking looking dude (laughs) but big really big and had like a had a wolf on a leash and uh and we had this like really cool encounter where he was like i was like hey and i knew it was tobacco again that felt sense like oh this is tobacco i have the hop in my hand and i feel like oh now i'm encountering tobacco and it was like he was just like yeah man i'm here i'm here for you i'm an ally i'm an ally to all to all beings to all humans and uh you know when you need me i'm here for you and it was just like this cool like just like brother energy like yeah i got you you know like we're gonna go do this and Hmm. um but there was the wolf and i was like well you know kind of curiously asking in my mind like what's up with the wolf he's like well the wolf is the addiction to tobacco the wolf is if you're not careful if you're not in right relationship the wolf will have you wow and if the wolf has you you know it can be a problem wow but like i'm an ally but i have an aspect of me that's the wolf and Mm. when you're not in right relation with tobacco the wolf will have you i fucking love that yeah so it was like a cool it was a cool visual interpretation of you know the relationship so managed to you know thumb my way through some loading the hoppe and hoppe for people know again you blow it up your nose so you have one and one end of a tube that goes in your mouth and the other end that goes up your nostril and you give a blow and it goes like right up your nose deep into your sinuses and it kind of burns but it's just like really like fucking head opening experience especially on ayahuasca so i blast. I can't even imagine oh man oh wowzers <laughs> blast both like wide open and it was like really really potent obviously when i do that and it settled all of the energy clear like i felt like fully grounded i had to purge a little bit more like a few other things came out but like a deep kind of like arrival into the space where instead of just getting bludgeoned around like a cat on a something like skibbity pat 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 like all day you know i was like i was a skibbity pat pat swap like push me off the counter let me fucking fall on the ground it was not that i was like okay now i'm back i got my bearings i can see the like all the disorientation is gone i'm like back rooted but there was this really like interesting with that arrival well the medicine's still strong but the tobacco grounding me i felt like once again i was able to kind of navigate the space feel the energy see the energy tap into other people you know kind of understand what was going on in a different way which was really really special and i was able to you know ride that out 
for most of the rest of the journey. I had some thoughts that came up about, oh, I really got to talk to, I thought about talking to you. Like, I got to call Eric. And I was like, when is the ceremony a fucking end? I got to go call him. I have things to share. I want to talk about this thing I got to do with my dad. And I want to, you know, I had, and I just ultimately just let those go. And it was again that like, it's all right. Don't be in a hurry. There's no need to like rush this thing. You have time, you know, and there's this sense of urgency that'll right. come up where it's so prescient like relax and, and a, the tobacco really helped with that so rolled through that um clear the maloka you know vi had a powerful experience that's her story to tell and so she's just straight into it you know like and i kind of expected it because it was that the way that a couple nights before but after her excitedly telling about you know 30 40 minutes of her journey i was like hey babe like can you please ask me about my journey? <laughs> you know, like let's let me give me a little space <laughs> to share. Good, but I get it. She had just a you know an incredibly like powerful yeah. awakening of her own potential. So we start talking about different things. Um, but I noticed there was a uh, one of our friends who was out on the star deck, and we were about to go back up to her room. Probably you know two hours after ceremony ends, after we done chatted, and I was still in this really like potent kind yeah. of divine space yep. and in that space i was just things seemed effortless it seemed like they were powered by an energy that i didn't understand and i could feel the energy like the energy that makes a star burn like Bruh. nuclear power like and i could understand how a ufo could fly effortlessly on an energy and a power source that isn't like we understand like explosions or battery power and torque and it's like endless effortless divine energy that was just and i could just feel it all around me and i could feel i was just in this other reality where i could tap into this unlimited unlimited energy source you've been there <laughs> yeah i don't have anything to add I'll, yeah i'm just yeah it's and that's the cool thing about ayahuasca is i'm just sharing the story we haven't talked about this yet but it's like you've been there you know what i mean yeah man. And, and the words fall short but a beautiful like a beautiful beautiful space to be in and i'm still a little fragile i just spent a lot of time puking yeah. and shitting and water isn't sitting so well i'm thirsty but i'm in this i'm in the space and anyways um friend out there on the deck and he a lot of times people will have ayahuasca reactivations yeah. where like maybe something with the digestive system where new ayahuasca hits a new part of the cilia and the you know small intestine and releases or large intestine wherever it is and then it you absorb some more and, or maybe it's psychic i'm not sure but a lot of people will feel like they're coming out and they'll be right back in and he had a really hard one of those that he shared in the sharing circle uh on the first night i think so he's going back into this and it's just sheer terror you know because he knows he's on for another couple hour ride and and i see him and i could feel it and just because i'm in the space and i'm connected and everybody else seems like they're kind of doing pretty good mm -hmm. but i feel it and i stop before we go up to the room and i'm like how are you man he's like Whew. yeah it's reactivating again and i could feel his fear and just like really intuitively like a I've never likened myself to be like a very, you know, particularly adept medicine man of any sort. I mean, I'm I can hold a confident space, but there was 
my ability to actually say exactly the right thing and put my hand on him with exactly the right faith and confidence without even thinking about it and just express as a divine father would that utter sense of absolute love and confidence so that he could have that felt sense of love and confidence because he feels it in me which is really i think one of the most powerful things that any medicine person can do obviously what the shaman's maestro maestro can do that's a whole another realm of magic but that felt sense of yeah, yeah like everything's all right just deep breaths deep breaths stay in your heart and like it's frustrating to me because i can't do it now i can't i like i can't do it i can remember what i did but i can't i can't do it on command but it was just a really cool experience of like oh this is a this is an ability that i unlocked tonight and i might not be able to get back there yet but i remember it and i know it and i'll know if i'm there again and i'll be able to do it and i know that that's a big part of what i'm here to offer is to be able to access that space i don't know what else i do in that space but i i just want to be able to get back there more regularly yeah you know it feels like one of the gifts of specifically ayahuasca, but any psychedelic, is it can unlock doors that before that night had always been unlocked, but you don't get to stay in the room. But there's a knowing of like, I've seen the walls, I have felt the carpet, I know it's in my house, I know it's somewhere far over there that's hard to get to. And the reason I had such a strong response when you were articulating that space is uh, the first time I did ayahuasca, the second night when I was completely blown out of the room the entire night, uh, I had this sensation after coming out of the maloka for like four hours. Like it felt like what my best gift is is just to be able to see the other and like all the parts, the ego, the self, and and just to bear witness and to know exactly how to respond that's for the most healing like it's not so much as me interjecting but like to see people's stories yeah and i'm on the maloka and i feel that same sense of like this is eric on god mode i know when i go to sleep it's like i knew at midnight that when i went to bed at 5 a.m it would be gone like cinderella myth exactly and like i could i knew and so I i was just i was kind of in awe in myself seeing how he was interacting with everybody and it was just like i have not been back in that room <laughs> i have not been back in that room since yeah. like but i know it's there yeah and i don't know what to do with that other than to be like i know i'll be back i have no idea when i don't even know how i'm not even particularly trying but man like the people that i could help in that room i know that i'll know one day yeah yeah that's that's the thing it's like i think you can we try to quantify what our impact could be by the things that we do you know and i i fall victim to this all the time like okay how many copies is my next book going to sell how many downloads does my podcast get what is the reach of you know my social platforms this is my impact okay fine but what about like what i'm actually actually capable of unlocking like what does that do what does it do when i could turn that on on command 
you know, when I can actually like summon that, what does that mean? Like, what is, what is that capable of? You know, and I know that that's a huge part of my journey to get closer to that mode. I feel like I've now, I'm like, I'm tracking it. And if I'm wise, I will pursue that as a primary goal, <laughs> not as like a, yeah, hope I wind up in that yeah, space. Again. Have, yeah. yeah, like like that should be a, a primary pursuit. And I think getting some guidance, you know, fortunately another one of the shamans that I work with, I know that he accesses that space on the regular basis because that's actually what made it even possible to me to enter that. So a, a Bufo shaman that I work with, um, I felt him do that for me. And I was like, oh, that's the divine incarnated that I just experienced. And I've worked with a lot of shamans. I've worked in a lot of medicines. I've never felt that one time in my life. And that was in December. And that moment was like the four minute mile. It was like mm. X games when they throw the double backflip on the fucking motorcycle. That's never before been possible. I don't even know if that is possible. There's so many extreme games people, uh, but whatever, you get the idea. It became possible to me. It became possible. And it's not like he walks around like that all the time, but in the medicine, in that space, he's able to access that. And it was so profound and so unbelievably, you know, it just opened my mind to the possibility, oh, it's possible for a human to carry that frequency. Not always, but he, you can touch it. And I think that's what also allowed it. It allowed it to be possible for me. And so, you know, obviously I have a close relationship with him. And so I think that's my first source. Like, all right, go back to where I learned. Go back to the, you know, go back to the the mentor. And fundamentally, I feel like that's why we fucking love sports. Like when someone is doing something and everyone knows no human has done that before, all humans do the same thing. They stop talking, they stop moving, their eyes get big. And the moment it's completed, these monkeys just start screaming. Cause like there's, it's almost like there's a collective human organism. And the moment a human does something new for the first time, the organism grows one cell and the whole fucking thing has to cheer. Mm -hmm. And it's like that morphic resonant field. And it reminds me again of the Rainmaker and also reminds me of like why it's so powerful to share your stories. Because there are people listening to this right now who have gone through pain and trauma that you and I right now don't believe it's possible to move through. Or other yeah, people sure. listening to this, po this podcast don't believe it's possible to move through. And if you can tell your story and show people that it's possible, like the power of a sponsor to a sponsee in AA is one of the most powerful aspects of that container. And... I've bared witness to how big that impact has been on you in just, it's been like 35 days. I know. And like, I've seen it, you know, the four minute mile has been shown. Yeah. And I, and I was able to touch the pace for a moment, you know, and that's, uh, that's big. It cannot be, cannot be overstated. And I think we're in a world now where the more of us, and that's the thing, like we keep thinking about what our reach is and what our impact, like, what's the impact that you know that shaman had by showing that to me and and many other people i'm sure how do you quantify that you know how do you quantify some paradigm reality altering experience that you're able to offer that was not was not the medicine which 
in and of its own self. Bufo is a paradigm reality altering medicine. But that was not the thing. The thing was that he was a, how he was able to merge with the divinity of that space, with the Godhead of the medicine, and express as that divine father the quality of which is a faith that's so strong that the expression can be the most gentle because there is such a powerful, powerful faith and such a steady love that it doesn't need to push at all. It's like knowing that you have the mightiest, mightiest power of all powers. So all you need is to just allow word to catch breath and no other effort is needed because it has that power. And that's like the strength of that father energy of that the ultimate expression of the masculine you know and i could fucking feel it you know and everything else is trying which is in the trying of it and in the forcing and in the pushing of it it's a it's a insecurity of certain or an accurate realization of that you don't have that much force so you got to add a little extra force by your own effort it's just the effortless effortless strength of that level of faith and that level of love what you just articulated and what you are feeling is literally the sword to be seized to go do your i know adventure i know and of course the call comes only after having seen the four minute mile yeah 100 (sighs) percent so yeah no big deal (laughs) no big deal no big deal and it reminds me of the story from so my favorite story from go for your win was the tattoo artist that told you the story of why he won't ever tattoo a picture of a dragon with its mouth open yep and it's that a dragon being the most powerful being that there existed in his realm or his world he would never have to roar yeah he would never roar yeah he's a fucking dragon that's right and yeah who is he snarling at is what is he intimidating somebody right doesn't need to no and i i love that so much and it reminds me of the same energy but in the gentle yeah and to love not to power the dragon is that's perfect the dragon is to power that same thing that the divine is to love you know yeah yep (laughs) so carried on moved up watched felt that felt that presence kind of evaporate ate a banana you know kind of went back into my normal in my step normal back life. Into Aubrey now, <laughs> yeah i like step back in yeah got a little bit of sleep fucking exhausted that night day four like beyond exhausted like how in the fuck am i gonna drink ayahuasca again same tonight? question that i had i feel the same way i was like i i just so, but again it was that faith like all right i touched faith and i touched it in a really powerful way that just knowing that one way or another this is all going to work out and i'm going to be okay and so it was just pure faith that got me to the maloka that night and i was able to rest a little bit but not much i feel like that last day is the shortest day that i've ever had in my life like from waking up until you're back in the maloka it felt like it was half an hour yeah i have almost no memory of that day yeah almost none Uh, other than just knowing like that feeling of like i don't know how i'm going to do this so jump in the only night that i only drank one cup and uh glad that i did as i was as i was kind of diving in just absolutely at the end of my exhaustion 
I had a really interesting encounter with um, an aspect of my soul, which was very interesting because I don't think we use the word soul all the time, but I don't really understand it, you know, from a cosmology perspective. But what it was showing was that actually all of the life, because the soul exists in a place beyond time, which was not a belief I held before. I was like, well, it has to be time. How do you even communicate if there is no time? But somehow what it, what my soul was expressing was that in the place, the reality, the quantum reality that they exist in, the soul exists in beyond time, all lifetimes are concurrent. So anything that happens in this life affects all other lives concurrently and vice versa. Like all lives are happening concurrently because there's no like this happened before. So we think of like past lives makes sense for us if we're looking from a chronological historical standpoint but from the purview of the soul it's like yeah okay past later whatever these are your lifetimes like these are your manifestations in form which are all happening which are all still alive and so very interesting and beyond my comprehension of what that even means but basically saying like what the aspect that i was talking to was just one aspect it wasn't like my oversoul by any means it was just like a very high aspect of you know of my soul but it was it was kind of cool to be able to form that connection to this kind of like higher aspect you call it your higher self i mean if there is a higher self this was it you know myself same self but in a higher vibrancy vibrational frequency a higher you know dimensional reality beyond form and explained to me that that soul had gone through a physical reality that aspect of soul that aspect of self that higher self had gone through a physical reality in a civilization and then the civilization ultimately um transcended the need for material existence and in a way ascended to the non like the non-material frequency of density so they're only astral celestial beings and and they they actually so they just left their civilization they're like we're done and that was a decision that was made a, a capability that opened an ability for them to actually move beyond the necessity and i didn't ask the details how dare uh, you i know <laughs> there's a funny thing about like there's some things that you know you can ask and I some things that you know understand. like you can't you know well how did you do it <laughs> you know like I, maybe i don't have the audacity to ask that but it was i was really kind of blown away by this communication that i had and then he expressed that um there was other super advanced races that chose a different path and instead of choosing the spiritual path the effortless energy of the divine similar to that energy i felt where everything felt possible but magnified and honed and the the skills applied to how to harness that eventually allowing people to transcend the need for a body but retain the identity form in the way whatever i don't know how ascension works (laughs) but they whatever they did and other other races decided to go a different path and they decided to go the technology technological advancement path and he was showing me like the small gray aliens and i don't know i don't want to cast aspersions on the small gray aliens (laughs) but he was showing me that they chose the technology path there are physical beings and these physical beings are actually more technology than life form like they've 
homogenized their vessel into the same roughly the same thing they've you know discarded all of the necessity for genitalia all reproduction is done through cloning programs all everything is same. it's for maximum efficiency that's what technology wants technology wants maximum efficiency the diversity and culture of beings and personalities inefficient so by going the route of technology you really sacrifice your well humanity for us but also the divinity of the kind of diverse multiplicity of expression that comes from personality and difference and all of the different qualities and characteristics and they really almost merge as machines so yes they're life you know life beings they're living beings but they've merged into basically a technology and so they're neither good nor bad it's not like they're evil but they're maximizing efficiency always always maximizing efficiency and you know exploring ways to maximize efficiency more so it's very interesting who the fuck knows if you know that's just a fantastical story again i have to offer the disclaimer um could be just a fantastical story of my mind talking to my mind and coming up with a, a tale that i could tell over a campfire someday but interesting as a kind of a thought starter to think about yeah the two paths that we can take one the technology path and two the path of finding god within there's a couple of really interesting things that come up from that and i don't think we'll be able to grab all the threads but the first one is like the idea well so i caught the thread that i thought i was going to lose and i'll go with that one first but it's like when you're optimizing and you don't know what you're optimizing for, you can look at what we're doing to the planet. We're optimizing for death of the planet. Like a lot of companies, their spreadsheets, it's all about trying to get that number higher. But really what they're optimizing for is the destruction of a forest, the pollution of the ocean, the deterioration of the atmosphere. So optimization for optimization's sake is not the way. The other really interesting thing, and I've had very good conversations with quite a few spiritual people about this, but it's like, where, what is technology? Like, where do you draw the line and say, oh, that's not technology, but this is technology? The argument that I've heard that resonates the most is the first time a monkey grabbed a stick to poke at a fruit on a tree, the birth of technology came onto this planet. We are surrounded and technology we are all like if we look at those two different aliens or those two different outcomes and we look at where we're at it feels kind of grim if you still want to have a dick you know in a hundred thousand years right um because we are saturated in technology like the table is technology my fucking glad like i would be dead if it weren't for the technology that's you know wrapped around my fucking face um where i do think the line can be drawn that meets the spiritual people that i've had these conversations with who think technology is bad like they think it's equals bad is technology that can begin to make choices that have no human interest embedded in the choice making because the way our consciousness operates is all like you know like we talked about it earlier emotions first story second embedded in our emotions is most of our choices are for at least the good of us 
hopefully the good of our tribe for most people and for the great, for the collective of all humans. But an algorithm on Instagram does not give a fuck mm -mm. about a human. It's all about just to optimize whatever the goal was that was put into it. Yeah. And so just feeling into like, I don't think we can exist without technology, but the type of technology that feels like it's looming, which is general artificial intelligence, like that shit scares the fuck out of me. Scares, scares a lot of people. And I had a chat with an individual who's taken it, who's very close with all the top um, AI developers and all the Silicon Valley. He's, you know, come from that culture and been immersed in it. And he's taken up the plant medicine path, but still involved. He has an investment fund. And uh, he's brought a lot of the top engineers and programmers and company heads to have plant medicine journeys Thank God. and like 5-MeO. And he's like, this is the most important thing that I think I can do Thank because God. what I want yeah. them to do is they must, they must program the love that a mother has for her child into whatever machine they're building, into whatever thing. And they have to feel that. And they have to feel that first. So whether it's Mama Ayahuasca or whether it's Bufo or whatever, they have to feel that and they have to know it well enough and know that it's essential to hmm. program into that. I think that's amazing. I don't share that fear personally. Like, I, I don't know why. It just doesn't really affect me. I'm way more scared of people. You know, I'm far more scared of people than machines. You know, and I'm yeah. far more scared of people, you know, indulging their own fear, their own divisiveness, their own ego's desire to create separation, to create hierarchy, to oppress others, to willingly sacrifice our own freedoms, to all of the things that we're seeing the signs of yeah I'm, I'm afraid of that and again the people making the decisions to optimize companies that are not sustainable that are speeding us towards the destruction of our environment the destruction of our world that's what scares me and it, it feels like to me it's not a matter of machines it's a matter of a race to how many people can wake up to the integral yeah. level of consciousness the state of interbeing where we understand we're all connected inseparable from the earth and other people how fast can we wake up and will it be fast enough and that's the that's the question that keeps me up at night and the solution to that question is stop worrying about the result like who are you am am i the one that's here to wake as many people up and to offer as much healing and as much compassion and as much love as possible and if we all fail at least i went out on my shield or am i the one that's supposed to be making the odds making bookie am i the bookie for the destruction of the world no i'm the warrior i'm the i'm the lover i'm the person here is just trying to help that's all that matters it doesn't matter like i don't need to extrapolate are we going to win or are we going to lose it just yeah. causes me to get stalled yeah and it's just like completely surrendering to the process of look i'm here to do my part whether we win or yeah. lose whether i'm leonidas at thermopylae or whether i'm you know the rest of the the whole army at platea you know where they actually win the war against the Persians. doesn't matter yeah you know so that's the only thing that's for me that's where that's where i feel it yeah like the thing that comes up is um whether or not i win or i lose i know how i'm gonna play yeah and i'm gonna fucking do it yeah that and worrying about winning and losing is just 
it creates a paralysis yeah and i think you have to be willing it's like what the samurai wrote about in the hagakure and what all the great warrior cultures knew is like you can't be worried about if you're going to die we're all going to die we're all going to die it's like how are you going to live what are you going to fight for that's what matters yeah you know so that you know that's what gets me through uh all of these different challenges when i can that and faith the choice for faith just like the choice to choose a better story the choice to choose the story of having faith trusting that there are allies trusting that yeah you know there are all of these not only technologies but spiritual technologies 100%. far more advanced spiritual like we have access how many fucking plant medicines have you had in the last year Bro, i don't know like from all over the world ayahuasca oh, right. from peru yeah. you know 5meo from the sonoran desert psilocybin from i don't know oregon who knows where <laughs> psilocybin comes from you yeah. know and tobacco like, marijuana. tobacco marijuana from distant places san pedro san pedro from mesoamerica Coyote. like the, and then aboga from africa you haven't had that one yet but there's like all of these technologies merging and available and now yeah. becoming legal so we have some support for the, not only the technological side but the spiritual side and i feel like it is it's love and power it's you know god the god way or the technology way yeah and it's not that like god isn't in technology and this is the devil or anything like that it's just but like choosing that level of we're going to develop our spiritual consciousness versus our technological prowess yeah which is used to kill and destroy and also used to help you know it's it's neutral but it's a neutral thing that was the whole point that was like technology is in and of itself neutral it's just maximizing efficiency what do you want is the efficient way is the efficient thing to help or is the efficient thing to kill is the efficient thing to grow or is the efficient thing to destroy whatever it's neutral so it's either neutrality or love and light and we can elevate the consciousness of the hands that program the neutral technology right it can change the fucking future right right and then the people who consume it and you know all levels therein and just fucking all of us just do our best just do our best we may win we may lose maybe somewhere in between can we love can we live can we yeah can we experience this life to the best of our ability instead of worrying about how long we're gonna live or whether we're gonna die how about we live first just try that yeah. step one live first then worry about <laughs> when you're gonna die yeah man like a good metaphor can fucking like transform an idea for me and the one that's been coming up a lot for life is dancing to a song and that like we talked about finite and infinite games on the last podcast and to worry about winning or losing is to view the infinite game as a finite game because the infinite game doesn't end your life like the most terrifying thing for me to confront that ayahuasca on the first night of my first night drinking was like we're going to sit here until you accept this is eternity and a lot of people don't like that i i a part of me hates it that this dance the infinite game is forever and my ego is like no 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 there are winners and losers and when i die it's going to be done and i'm not going to i don't not forever please not mm -hmm. forever but it, the way it seems to me now because of my 
specifically my dances with ayahuasca is it's like I was born as a specific instrument in this part of the infinite song. The deepest bliss you will know is how deeply you play the instrument that you were born to be. Your part is coming to an end. And if you see death as a loss, you're guaranteed a loss. And if you see death as a win, you're guaranteed a win. Feel what you are fully. Like the Zach Bush story that he shared on the podcast, that fucking lit me up where he has this newborn baby in his hand that's premature and it's so small, he can hold the entire baby in his hand and the baby lets out a cry. And he says like, that is the human experience. Like, let the let the universe know that you're alive right now for the time that you're alive. You know, play your fucking song. Wail in grief, shout your love, cry your tears, laugh your laughter. You know, just let yourself be alive. And I promise you won't be as afraid of death anymore because you've lived. The real terror is to die before you've ever lived. It's not how long you're going to preserve this gray existence. It's like, can I live? And when you're really living, you know, there's infinity in an instant. Mm. You're there, the the eternity of now. You're in there. Whoo, all right. You know, it's all you can eat of all the all the richness and splendor of all of life. You know, you just but really just live there as long as you got. Okay. Literally that moment gives you hoka hey yeah that's the only thing that can really living is the only way that you can say today is a good day to die otherwise it's not otherwise it's a nightmare you know but so live first and i think that's why you know a lot of my messaging that's the fundamental core principle is like yeah we're all gonna die we cannot sacrifice living you know in a rampant crazy you know destructive desire to escape death like we will all die all right take whatever sensible precautions are needed i understand you know we're not wantonly seeking death we want to avoid it if we can but not at the cost of living not at the eternal cost of living especially you know like we gotta live like that's what we're fucking here for you know, and really live, not just survive, mm. like the difference between surviving and living. I'm trying to live more, man. I'm trying to heal this sickness and, and live more. I'm, I mean, I'm not doing a great job, but not that's true. a judgment. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> Let me be the friend on the phone that says I see it differently than that. You've changed my life more than anyone I've met. And I know that I've done that for people and I'm a ripple of a ripple dog. God, just imagine when I'm a little bit less corpse. (laughs) (laughs) We're heading there, man. Four minute mile. Yeah. Honored to walk this path with you, brother. Likewise. Love you, man. Live first. And I love (laughs) you too. All right, everybody. Thanks for dropping into this journey with uh, Eric and I. Please listen to Eric's podcast, by the way. I have people raving about it to me all the time, and I should do a better job listening <laughs> yeah. to some more of your episodes for sure um, because I know how much I get out of every single conversation I have with you. So thanks for putting everything out. 
yeah, man, thank here you. in the world. And also, if you guys want to, you know, be in community with Eric and I and Caitlin and Vailana and Kyle, uh, the Fit for Service Academy app is live, downloaded on the App Store. You'll have opportunities to interact with all of us, download different modules and different yep. things. So I give a master class on the psyche. I haven't done this anywhere else. I've never sat in front of a camera for four hours and talked. <laughs> Ryan helped me do it. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if if you've ever heard me talk about anything about psychology that you want to hear more about, I fucking go in on that app. Let's go. Let's go. I'm just so excited to bring the beauty of, you know, the fit for service fellowship now into a virtual platform where we, it has no capacity. We're not limited by Dunbar's number of 150 or censorship by algorithms <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah none of that shit yeah it's our own it's our own thing unless iphone decides to take us entirely <laughs> off of its app store we love you iphone thank you we will bow technology <laughs> you will be the aliens with the no genitals um beautiful ryan love you too man thank you brother thank you everybody peace love Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Eric Godsey. Make sure you follow him on Instagram. He's always posting a bunch of brilliant things, as you can surmise from hearing him on this show. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.